Happy New Year, listeners, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Slow Motion Triple Feature. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today, as always, by my good friends and decent co-hosts, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're saying farewell to 2020 with a freewheeling conversation about the state of cinema and the film industry, our favorite movies of the year, our favorite movies of other years, Wonder Woman 1984, and whatever else comes up. We will be capping things off by nominating our first annual Tom Cruise of the Year. Who will be the big winner? Stay tuned to find out. How are you guys doing? Good. 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 How are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I had a really good interaction at the end of my work day today. What was it? Um, so I was on the phones. I'm, I was I went to work this morning and then I was working the phones. Uh, now, evening. is this a is this a is this a bit or is this a true story? This is a true story. Mm, okay. This is this is yes. And I can only disclose certain information for uh, privacy reasons. But um, I was on the phones. And so the way it works is uh, people call in and they ask about things with their account and things like that. And a guy called in and he asked if there we had a DVD of a movie called Harvest Home starring mm-hmm. Betty Davis. OK. And I there's I think there's like. 400 people that work for the library total. And I would bet if I'm not the only person who immediately knew what he was talking about, there might be maybe one other person somewhere out there in the system. Uh, but I immediately knew he was talking about a film called a, a mini series called the dark secret of harvest home starring Betty Davis. And, uh, I, we, it never, it appears never to have come out on DVD, but I was able to direct him to a place online where he is able to watch it. Um, I assume legally. So, uh, so that was, he was, he was a happy, uh, well-served patron. And I just thought it was cool. Cause it was like, right as we were closing, he called like the last minute and I was like, what are the odds? Like he got yeah. me just, you know, the last minute of the day, you know, so it was fun. I, and this is, Hmm, this is going to sound like an insult. It's not, <laughs> it's actually, cause I get those moments too, where it's like, I think what you did was actually help somebody, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think, situations that are similar to that that don't happen in an environment where somebody actually needs something but it's just like what was that movie where somebody did what and it's like and like my brain just clicks on and i'm like all right let's do this baby yeah you know and it's like somebody and i can usually like i can or what year did what movie come out like i'm very good at years yeah uh anything between like 1985 and now that's you know, pretty well known that I, I can usually get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like those moments are great. Cause it's just like, I have all this very, very actually useless information in my brain. Right. <laughs> I know. And, and I only get like a couple times a year to actually impress people with it. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm glad in your case, you, you're actually helping somebody in the same way somebody, you know, helps somebody find a book or whatever. So I think yeah. that's awesome. But yeah, yeah, that's a, it's, it's, I've, it's I can strange feel it. I've yeah that <laughs> I've somehow backed into a career where that that was something useful for somebody that we are uh you know servicing. I think so. that's the genuinely best, awesome. 
That's cool. The best best day of my life was when you emailed me, Mike, to ask if I could find that song. And the only yeah. clues you had were like the lyrics and I think maybe an instrument that was in it. And both well, were wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the lyrics <laughs> I even had were wrong. Yeah. And I huh. still found it. Well, the best day, of, best day of my life is when I met you, Kit, but. <laughs> that's um, not true. It's I don't definitely, think that's it's, true. It's definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the best day of your life? Doesn't matter. Probably my wedding day. Is that true, though? Really? I mean, it should no, be. No, it's well, it, it is. It That's is what in, Lee says. It is in what it meant to me. It's but mm-hmm. in in actual practice, it was very like stressful. Stressful. And, yeah, it wasn't like we did have fun, I think. But yeah, I know. Like mm-hmm. it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wedding days are good. It's a good day. Uh, but yeah, when Kit's favorite best day is when she got an email from Mike. Yeah. yeah. That's great. You're I think welcome. That's cool of me. The song for the curious listener was called, I think, New Song by Howard Jones. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good little song. It's weirdly forgotten, but it just it uh, played on the radio of a hotel lobby that I was in with my in-laws. And uh, I heard it in the bathroom, I guess. So it was like the bathroom off the lobby. And I was like, I got to remember this for later. And I misremembered the lyrics, but Kit was still able to find it based on my description. I so. will. I will often run into the bathroom of a place because that's the only environment yeah. in which you can hear what they're what's being played. <laughs> yeah. And people just think you have terrible diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> um, Whereas right, you well, hear every song in the bathroom because you do have terrible diarrhea. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> almost all of my record collection has come from just sitting on the pot. Um, OK, well, so the first question that Andrew had pitched uh, that we could talk about um, for our bonus episode was uh what 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 are our thoughts so obviously 2020 was a strange year for film and so many other things uh so i think you had said what were our thoughts on like the kind of the state of the industry or uh sure what movies will be like going forward is that kind of something that you want to talk about or um yeah yeah i would i would i would like to open that by saying i think overall i feel like Theaters being closed and a lot of the big money-making movies getting moved, either pushed to 2021 or beyond, or maybe pushed to streaming, a few of them. And then, like, most of the small movies either getting a theatrical release or and or getting a VOD release, I think I, think I saw a lot more like diversity like in terms of the things that i watched this year and i mean i usually try to watch a good cool just drag racer outside uh and during rush hour um <laughs> no i i do try to like have diversity in the movies i watch but you know inevitably during the summer you know i mostly watch big budget stuff and and blockbuster type movies and then during the kind of fall months you know i'm watching more of the awards stuff um, so, but it, there wasn't like any normal movie watching season. It was just like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a thing I can get my hands on and it's supposed to be good. So I'll watch it. So I think that that was kind of interesting. Yeah. What do you see happening in the next year then? I guess like, do you think any studios I, will go under? I saw MGM is up for sale now. Um, yeah, that's kind of sad, but that's been yeah. a long time coming. They were having sure. trouble for 
like the last 20 years. So, yeah. um, what do I think happens in the next year? Well, I really hope nobody buys MGM, <laughs> but somebody will. Um, yeah. <laughs> I what also, about us? Yeah, that'd be great. You got five bills. Mike, you were just talking about your Bitcoins. That's yeah. true. That's I'm true. almost there. I'm just about to $5 billion. <laughs> um, what do I, I don't know if 2021 is going to be a lot different. I think especially with like Warner Brothers moving their slate to to Max. And then, um, I mean, I feel like it's any day now that we start hearing about Disney movies moving to uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, I don't think, I think so, maybe in the back half of the year, we'll see some you know, bigger movies at the theater and people kind of returning that I think the first half is just going to be kind of this. Yeah. When they do that, is that just like a tremendous loss of profit? I would assume like, is, isn't that losing like half a billion dollars on something like, you know, wonder woman or I don't it know. It depends. I mean, HBO max has, I don't think was doing very well. And I okay. think if you want to watch wonder woman, 1984 maybe it's worth getting a 15 dollar subscription that you know in your head you're like oh i'll just get hbo max for the month and then my entire movie or my entire family can watch wonder woman 1984 uh and then i'll just cancel it next month or i'll forget and now i have a subscription to hbo max so i i don't know i don't know what the actual like i don't know if they even release that data or what or maybe they do but i'm sure that it the bump in subscriptions uh helps at least momentarily and i think too there's like something to do with like well do we release this movie that we started marketing you know a year and a half ago do we release it in another year when nobody gives mm-hmm. a shit anymore or do we just surprise everybody and give them a, a you know put it on tv and everybody can watch it so i think there's yeah. i worked for a company once where they would announce products way 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 before anybody could get their hands on them and it got to the point where every product launch would just like flounder because they weren't able to maintain any of the excitement uh so i think people just get used to not having something and then they don't give a shit when it comes out so i think i think that there's some level of just like well this movie's not going to make a billion dollars at the movie th- in the theaters anyway. We may as well use it to boost this other thing that's not doing well that could do well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also sense. don't know. So there's there's that too. Yeah. Well, and I know like Wonder Woman and Tenet both did come out in a in theaters, but and theaters got a boost. Going I was around. just reading an article yeah. bef- right before we hopped on, and it was like you know they were pe- people were saying that like oh the theaters you know they actually got a little bit of a boost from wonder woman and you know they're saying like oh it's the beginning of the of the return or whatever for movie theaters and i hope that's true i don't think it will be but i hope it is yeah yeah i'm not super worried about studios i mean like mgm obviously but paramount maybe a little worried uh but like disney and warner brothers universal not really Um, no i'm worried about the theaters the exhibitors i guess um more than anybody but uh, I am, I am, and I'm not. I'm worried about the theater experience. Yeah, I could give fuck all about Cinemark, AMC, Regal. No. I think they're. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about AMC. Yeah, um, there are horrible companies who don't give a shit about movies or the people watching them. 
Right. So see, this is the thing. We have a somewhat local, I guess, just maybe regional chain mm-hmm. here in, in the Kansas City area called B and B Theaters, and like we go there, and like we, like AMC's headquarters is in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's already hard for B and B, and then it's like something like this happens, and you're just like, you know, yeah, that's every time we go, there's two or three other people in the theater, and um, and I mean, we haven't been for quite a bit either, um, but. Anyways, yeah, so I'm, like, worried about, like, them. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure there's other little regional chains that are still in operation. And, um, and I mean, the independent theaters, places, like, we've got fine arts theaters here. Um, you know, I listen to, like, the New Beverly Theater in Los Angeles. I listen to their podcast and just mm-hmm. all the different, like, kind of revival houses and stuff that mm-hmm. hopefully they can find a way to keep paying rent before, uh, you know, they have to, I don't know. Whatever happens, <laughs> I know it's unprecedented and it's very depressing and it's horrible and I I really feel bad for yeah <laughs> so many so many people, yeah, yeah and I mean also I should say like we're talking movies obviously there's all, lots of larger concerns for all sorts of I mean that's fine but it, we I mean stuff, so. I mean we can be you know lamenting the loss of you know a a communal art experience but like also it's an industry and there are yeah. a lot of people who are losing their jobs in that industry so I think yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's connected to something important. Yeah. And it's, you know, a pillar of our culture. So I think that that's important, too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kit, do you have any? Uh, I mean, you, you you're not a super mm-hmm. frequent moviegoer, although it seems like you were kind of becoming more of a frequent moviegoer last year. Um, I don't really enjoy going to the theater, though, like I don't want them to I don't want to lose the option of doing that. Uh Um, particularly like I agree happy for AMC and places like that to burn to the ground, but, um, like local independent regional theaters, um, that I think actually care about what they do. Um, I don't want to lose that. We always go to our, you know, we have like a theater within an independent theater within walking distance of us. Lee, obviously like, hangs out at the music box all the time with his projectionist friend. Um, and there's certain movies, you know, I don't, I actually have like anxiety about going to the theater. Like it's not a more, like it's not a moratorium on the art form of film. It's just like, I have always had anxiety about going to the movies. And now that I can watch anything at home, there's even like less, um, you know, reason for me to go, but still like for certain movies, if I get the itch to see it in theaters, then that's how I want to see it. I want to see mission impossible in theaters and not just huge movies. Like I wanted to go see, um, um, <laughs> oceans eight in theaters just cause I was like, I like the oceans movies and I'm like excited for this. And it seems like it would be fun to see with an audience. Um, right. And like, it wasn't, but like it wasn't bad either. <laughs> Um, it wasn't worse because I saw it in a theater, um, you know, and so, yeah, I don't want that to go to go away. I would say that for me this year, because of the podcast, I watched more movies than usual. Um, I will say that I think the, huh, my sense, I I think I'm someone who I'm a little bit between. I'm not like either of you guys. I'm like, I may be sort of in between where I don't think I'm like Andrew where like, I kind of want to see every like 
culture, culturally significant in the sense of like mainstream. Like I think Andrew does want to see like every mainstream movie. And then he also watches a bunch of other stuff as well. And then mm. Mike sometimes is like deliberately issues mainstream movies and wants to see more weirder stuff or older stuff. Uh, but I think you kind of feel bad if you don't see enough movies in from a particular year. Um, yeah. I don't feel beholden to see, uh, just like with music, like I'm a big music fan. I guess I'm a big movies fan and I don't, I rarely <laughs> watch stuff in the year it comes out. Um, and so because of this particular episode of the podcast, I think I watched more. Like I doubled the amount of 2020 movies I've seen in the last week because I knew we would be recording this. Um, and overall, I saw more from this given year than I would most years. Um, I think I think last year I tried to watch all the Oscar movies because I knew we were going to a friend's house to like watch the Oscars for a party. And it's more fun if you know the movies that came out. Um but I wouldn't say that the things that I watched were particularly affirming <laughs> of the decision to watch more movies because I think with a couple of exceptions, um, notable exceptions, I think everything that I watched from Netflix was pure fucking trash this year. Um, I didn't watch everything that came out on Netflix and I didn't watch all of the more Oscar baity things that came out on Netflix. Um, but nothing I saw on Netflix made me go, this is a great studio. Um, but then again, the things from the studios <laughs> were also were equally unimpressive um, for the most part. Um, and really I think uh, British film is our future apparently if this year is to, is anything to go on. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. I feel like we should also say that like in a typical year, because Kit kind of touched on that she doesn't really go to the movies, but on a typical year, like basically since I've been old enough to go to the movies by myself, I've gone to the movies at least once a week. Yeah. If not more, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll see a, a, on on a not that rare occasion, I'll see two movies in a day at mm -hmm. different theaters like I've done that before uh and Mike I don't think you see as many but you still go to the theater quite a bit normally yeah mm -hmm. I mean I think the average person goes to a movie like once every six months or something if you actually look at like the numbers so okay. like typically like I like to see every single movie that I want to see I, I want to see it in the theater yeah that's like that is my ultimate goal so like not going to the movie theater this year has been like so just soul crushing and depressing <laughs> it's been like really yeah. genuinely very hard not to go see movies yeah yeah i'm more of a maybe once or twice a month movie goer uh in a typical year that's a lot that is actually a yeah, lot i think more than, yeah i'm probably more than the average person um but i watch most of what i watch is older movies i just any anymore right. i don't watch a lot of the new stuff but but for a while i was trying to do like like when i had a facebook i would try and do i would before the Oscars every year, I would watch like 60 movies from the previous year just to like kind of like Kit was saying, it's fun to have seen them for the Oscars. And then also I like to like make my own list of like these are the actually or the actual best films of the year. And I would just post that on Oscar night for fun. 
Um, I did that for like four or five years last decade. And then I just, I, there was one year, I don't remember what year it was, probably 2015 or 16. And I just, I watched so many of them and none of them really clicked. And it was just, you know, it was probably just a lukewarm year for movies. And so I kind of stopped doing that. But, but like 2019, um, I thought it was a great year. There were, there were some of my, I think probably what will eventually be my all time favorite movies came out last year. Yeah. It was really um, good. It was a really good year. Yeah. There was just kind of a really a string of really good movies. And that's, that's usually the way it goes. Like you've got slow years, you've got, there, there's always something good that comes out every year, but like, but it's rare. 2019, 2019 was like abnormally good. Yeah. Yeah. And you just think if we hadn't been able to see like, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood in a movie theater, like I it know. would have been totally different or just uh, like, absolutely. What else? And although two of my favorites from last year, I didn't get to see in a theater. I didn't get around to getting uh, to, I didn't get to see the lighthouse and then under the silver lake barely even got a release. They, they put that out the same week as the Avengers. Right. And it just got buried. I, I um, saw it like six months before it got its theatrical release. Cause it was released in like, on like video on demand, like other yeah. countries and shit. So. Yeah. Which was, weird it's very so. weird they they so, yeah. did not they were not nice to that movie although i don't know yeah. how you really released that movie yeah i don't know what yeah i guess they were thinking counter programming with avengers but didn't work <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> um, with spider-man in it yeah that's and true it does it? have a spider-man in it that's, yeah <laughs> they but thought people anyways, would get confused it was a great film i deserved a, more people to see it i have a question what were the best movies you saw. I know that Mike, you've been to the movie theater a few times since this all happened, since the pandemic hit. Yeah. But how? What were the movies that you saw in 2020 in theaters before the pandemic, like when it was still normal to go to movie theaters? So mostly for me, it was catching up with 2019's releases. So like, I think Little Women was the last movie I saw in theaters before everything shut down. I think we saw okay. it in like February and then March is when everything shut down. Okay. Uh, we saw 1917 early on this year. Mm. Oh yeah. Which I'm glad I saw that in a theater. I mean, that was, yeah, um, for sure. I feel like if you didn't see that in a theater, it was like, if you didn't see gravity in a theater, that's, it's like, definitely surely it is not the same experience. Even if you have a great setup at home. Um, yeah, I think those were, I, I, I can't remember for sure. It's been a little bit, but, so, so mostly catching up with that. I don't think I saw a single movie from 2020 other than a handful of documentaries like on Netflix and I guess just stuff I'd pick up at the library. But Sonic was the first feature film from 2020. And I didn't get to that in theaters, unfortunately, but I saw it. Uh, we rented that at Redbox. Um, you saw I, Tenet, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But that was that was after, after the shutdown. Yeah. yeah. So Tenet was the first new film I saw okay. in theaters. Um when once theaters open back up i think i saw emma underwater the invisible man and that might be it yeah hmm. yeah which is kind of funny that we got the january bad boys for life. february i saw bad of boys course. for life of course <laughs> that was this year that was yeah. february yeah january. Oh, wow. actually okay. i think or january like january yeah yeah okay that was like the um, biggest hit of the year until yeah. uh I think I think Sonic surpassed it, but yeah, it did very very well. Go. Sonic, I, I will say, is my best my pick for best picture of 2020 so far. So. <laughs> um, but uh, did, had you even did you get to the theater at all this year, Kit? No, not yet. Okay, there's not still time. yet. Not yet. You still yeah, <laughs> yeah. you still got time. Dude. <laughs> um, although I wanted to mention, uh, 
the I watched a documentary from this year the other day called Going Attractions. It was like a history of the movie palace. So mm-hmm. like just the whole idea of the movie palaces and things like that. And two Chicago movie palaces were featured. Um, the music box. And then mm-hmm. one, I think that was, I think he said it was like on the South side. I want to say it was called like the Avalon theater maybe, or something like that. I don't know. It looked really cool. So if you do go to the movies again, check it out. But, uh, anyhow, uh, so do what, do, did you, uh, of the films we saw at home or in theaters, do we have best of lists lists that we should get to? Or I do. Yeah. yeah. My notes are, my notes are that I have are two lists. One was okay. movies I saw and then, a sub category of that list is movies I did not like. How many did okay. you see from, from 2020? I would, I would say I saw 50 movies from this year. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my so list basically is all of them. My list is 35. No, tons of stuff. There's still a ton of stuff. I, like I was trying, I was scrambling to watch more movies for this podcast and it was just like, I can't get to anywhere close to the- like, there's a ton of movies. Okay. Mike, how many did you see from 2020? I mean, uh, if you count feature films, I think like five. If you count documentaries, then I think you it count would be documentaries. Like closer to ten. Okay, I didn't yeah. Count documentaries. Um, so. I I mean, I could be missing some things. I didn't count any like Christmas movies <laughs> from like Hallmark or Netflix or right. anything. Um, and. I just used Wikipedia. Like I used Wikipedia to like look at what were the 2020 American and British film releases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got 17. That's nice. That's which a is lot. more than one, more than one a month for me. Pretty That's good. pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I should. I also want to add before we get to the list. I watched about 400 movies this year and about 10 of them were from this year. So that's that's yeah, a lot. I- I, I watched a lot, a lot more movies that were not from 2020. Obviously, yeah. this was my this was my record breaking year. I've kept lists ever since like 2006 or seven or f- yeah, something like that. And my I think my highest before this was like 260 in a year or something like that. And so this was surpassed that by quite a bit. But anyhow, what was uh, I don't know, Kit, do you want to did you did you rank them or do you just yeah, I, I mean, sort of. I kind of broke them into things I liked, things I thought uh, were bad. Most would land in middling. Um, Enola Holmes was cute, but not really a movie. The Prom was terrible. Onward was a movie, but uh, I didn't care for it. Okay. Um, Vivarium, I swear I watched because I remember... You watched Vivarium? I remember everything from it, and yet I don't remember watching it. I cannot believe you <laughs> watched I that know, movie. <laughs> I What's know everything that happens in it. It's, it's a weird uh, horror movie that I it's would not. It's not really horror, though. I don't. I don't know if it would qualify I think, as horror. I, I think it's terrifying. Um, it's Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, Imogen Poots. What is her name? Imogen Poots. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's basically like remember that Matt Damon movie about like suburbia it's kind of that but <laughs> a little okay. different i don't know just it was it i didn't think it was it it couldn't sustain itself really no for sure um, it was but it i was, also don't remember watching it <laughs> it would have made a better black mirror episode than it did like yes an exactly movie. exactly they yeah, had okay. basically a look that was ripped off of god damn it who is that guy i think he's swedish I told Lee to watch his movies because I thought he would really like him, and he did. And it basically ripped off that guy. Oh, the, um, the pigeon sitting on a branch guy? I don't know. 
like reflecting <laughs> on its existence or something. I think Lee talked to me about him. Like I, I can't remember. It was like, and then there was the other one about like the apartment. Yes. Yeah. That um, guy. It looks a lot like that. Okay. Um, but it's not. Um, okay. I watched Love Wedding Repeat, which I was surprised to find out was like a more was even on net or Wikipedia's list of releases. That sucked. That was the continued decline of Andrew. Who's that guy that we like Sam who was in hunger games of Sam Claflin. Yeah. Uh, continuing to just torpedo his potential. Um, Lee and yeah. I will watch basically any movie that's about music. So we did watch Eurovision song cost, the song contest, the story of fire saga. Um, oh, yeah. Was that good? No, Okay. Of course not. We did, um, I like Will Ferrell. Denise and I watched it, uh, or she watched it, and I tuned in and out. But she, I, I, I kept checking in with her. I was like, "Are you liking this movie?" And she'd say, "Yeah, I mean, I like it." And I'm like, "But you know, you have not laughed, not even sing, not, <laughs> yeah. a, not a single time, not once. Like she it's, literally yeah. zero laughs the entire movie." But she said, "Yeah, I liked it." So I don't know okay. what that means. It, it wasn't as bad hmm. as I thought it would be it, it 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 literally did not achieve the number one thing that it had to achieve which was uh a laugh yeah. right but i thought i would like really hate it and it was like fine i watched mank which i thought was oh yeah i meant to watch an that absolute turd <laughs> particularly okay. from particularly from a visual perspective i thought it looked horrible um it looked like an Instagram filter put on a David Fincher movie, even though it's like purporting, I believe, to look like the kind of movies it's about. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. It looks horrible. Um, I watched. We might have a uh, point counterpoint between you and Andrew here because I yeah. recall him enjoying the film. <laughs> um, I watched also The Ages. Usually I don't get up my own ass about this, but Gary Oldman is just too old. <laughs> You might that. call him Gary Old Man. Yes, you really, you wouldn't be wrong to do that. <laughs> cool. Um, I watched Shirley, which is a movie about Shirley Jackson starring Elizabeth Moss. It's not really about Shirley Jackson. Um, hmm. And on that, I thought that was, uh, it looked pretty good. It was well-directed. Performances were fine, but it was a fucking weird movie. And there's something like, I think you should be able to fictionalize anything, but... You don't, you know, just because it's a movie about a real person doesn't mean it has to tell the truth about them. It was a very like fictionalized world, but it is kind of a shame that it's like one of the like the only biopic we have, as far as I know, of like one of the most popular female authors of the 20th century. And it's just like makes her into a fucking monster. <laughs> like, but Weird. she, which, which with really no basis in reality. Was that a just, Netflix film? No. I don't even know. I don't think so. Okay. It's, ba I mean, it's basically a horror movie. It's uh, okay. it's an Amazon. I think it's Amazon Prime movie. Uh, okay. It seemed like an Amazon movie to me. That's what yeah. I would have guessed. <clears throat> then I watched. Just I'll say I'll say this. I watched Ammonite, which is oh yeah, almost identical in that it is about a real woman, but fictionalized and um, surprise lesbians. And Ammonite, I thought was great. Cool. I okay. loved it. It was really beautiful and basically pornography. <laughs> And it was really nice. cool. I liked it. Um, then I heard uh, that um, it was good. Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. Um, uh -huh. It reminded me of the piano. I was like, I said to Lee at one point, I was like, all this is missing a p is a piano. And then there was a piano. So um, <laughs> I watched Rebecca, the remake, which is what it should be called. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a big old nothing. Um, 
Um, and now we're kind of getting into the ones that I thought were okay. Other than Ammonite, I liked Ammonite. Emma, I thought was great. Emma is might be like the second best movie of the year. I don't know. <laughs> um, we watched, as I said, Lee and I will watch anything about music. We watched The High Note. Um, and we kind of found ourselves pleasantly surprised by by how inside baseball it was about music and about, you know, not only producing, but a female producer. And so, like, we both uh, kind of enjoyed that, even though it's, like, it's not good and you guys wouldn't like it, I don't think, uh, because it's just, like, a – it's not a good movie, but there were fun <laughs> elements of it. Um, I watched Bad ed- Education – that was good. That was a very good Hugh Jackman performance. Yeah, um, yeah, I like that one a lot. Worth watching, and I could not believe that some of the elements of the story were true. Like, and then they turned out to be true. That was shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have a question. Yeah. What? That is not the one with Kate Mara where no. she has sex with a student. What is that one called? You're thinking, and a, that uh, one is not Kate Mara. <laughs> oh, it's not Kate Mara. No. Oh no, you're thinking of of a teacher. Yeah. That's a Kate teacher. Mara. Okay. But there's also there was a an education. Chain. Okay. For when you first started talking about bad education, like in the text chain a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, she's watching the Almodovar film or however you say his last name. Uh, right. Alm- Almodovar. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, and then as it went on, I was like, wait, I read Javier Bardem where you said Hugh Jackman. Right. And then I thought, oh, she's talking about the Kate Mara thing. And then like no. the next day I looked at something. I was like, Hugh Jackman's not in that. <laughs> And then right. I was just very confused. Anyhow, okay. There's, that there's that education that is kind of like a Soderberghian true story of uh, a financial scandal at a school. Okay. There's also and, and, there's also a, a movie called The Teacher that came out a few years ago. Just so you know, Mike, and that is also about a teacher who has sex with their student. <laughs> okay. Um, well, then there's Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz. Right. Yes. And then there's uh, <laughs> Bad Moms. Bad Moms Christmas. Right. Grandpa, <laughs> dirty grandpa. Basically, people need to start putting more effort into their titles. As if yeah. I'm just getting confused. So, um, I finished Love and Monsters today. Um, that was it. Was totally cute, Mike. I think you should watch it if you haven't seen it. It's on. Yeah, I've got it on hold at the library. I haven't. Got Andrew it is the one who recommended it to me, but I thought it was Mike because it seemed kind of like a Mike-ish movie. It's a um, Paramount uh, film that that bombed, so that's usually Mike's territory. <laughs> <laughs> and it's based, based on, like, an, it's an original idea, as far right. as I know. From a two-year-old? Um, <laughs> that's, uh, Monster <laughs> Trucks was, uh, was like, uh, like the, the Paramount <laughs> Chief's, like, four-year-old daughter, like, drew it on a napkin. And really? then he was like, yes! yes. And that was one of the best films of last decade. That is crazy. <laughs> that's wild. Uh, I think Love and Monsters had pacing and story problems, but it was really anchored by his he Dylan O'Brien is great. It's also literally the best canine actor I think I've ever seen in a film. Yeah. <laughs> like Good like do- truly dog actor. acting. The dog is acting. <laughs> the dog <laughs> is carrying scenes. It's amazing. Um and then it had a very um Sartre bad faith like message to it. And I was like, that rules. That's like the philosophical point that it ended up making. Um, I was a huge fan of. Um, huh. So I, I, it was very enjoyable. A similar, um, a similar movie to that. I know I keep interrupting. You, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Please do. If you, if you liked that, uh, I don't think Mike liked it, but you should check out a movie called Damsel from a, a yes, year, I've been a few years to ago. Watch that. One okay, of the few Robert Pattinson movies I will, I could stand to watch. So fucking good in that, and it is okay. kind of, it's sort of a similar sort of thing. Yeah, I love it. Um, then uh, Wonder Woman 1984, which I think we might talk about maybe together yeah, a little bit more. So yeah, I'll I'm save ready. that. 
Let's uh, um, have a whole section for that in a minute. And then I would say the best 2020 movie that I watched in 2020 was Personal History of David Copperfield. Um, awesome. Which really surprised me because I'm generally not really a Dickens fan in terms like reading or watching adaptations of his work. It just like he something doesn't work for me. This was genuinely funny, covered a tremendous amount of ground, maybe slightly too much, but I but I admire it. And it made me cry at the end. (laughs) So like really, really a great great Dickens adaptation. Really good. Um, okay, cool. And then worst of the year uh, is Mulan. The most, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe the most soulless film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so uh, you, you, you might've just breezed by it, but did you not watch Sonic this year? I didn't watch Sonic. It was on my oh, list my to watch. And then I kept not being able. And I also was like, your sister liked it. I know. I know. I Sydney know. Like I'm, Sonic? I'm, yeah, I'm she is. A lot. knows what's up. I put it's it on a good the list movie. to watch, but yeah. I would only watch it with Lee, and then like Lee was busy, so like I wanted to watch Love and Monsters with Lee too, but then he, but okay, so this he, is Lee's yeah. fault. Make sure you. Well, watch, I'm just saying, uh, like Sonic. it's like the kind of movie I would never watch like by myself, <laughs> right? And, and I only have one person to watch movies with, and if he's not available, then the movie doesn't get watched. Right, that makes sense. All right, well, heck of a list. That's just, you really crammed him in there, but they. Uh, yeah sorry i talked about everything i saw but there was only 17 no no i just meant that you watched you watched a lot uh it sounds like you watched most of those in the last week or two i think yes um but okay well andrew can i yeah i'll um, try to i'll try to be quicker and i'll try not to touch on any of the movies that that uh i also watched on her list okay Um, well yeah and if if you want to just do like your favorites or highlights yeah um, what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna start with the movies i liked and then i will end with the movies that i did not like okay so like will be just like oh I, I enjoyed this too really enjoyed it um uh i'll start with tenant because that's the one that it's like well it's really easy not to like this movie um because all the things that people say are bad about it are kind of true but then it's also like in terms of visual experiences and just like ideas it's very cool um it's it felt like such a purely cinematic experience, except for the moments when it felt like a purely non-cinematic experience. <laughs> um, but I, I, I tenant is one that I am excited to watch again, even though I know it, the things that frustrate about me will, that frustrated about me will probably frustrate me more. Um, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Um, Greenland, which was like a, a, a Gerard oh, yeah. Butler uh, disaster movie, which I did not expect to do anything. Um, but I watched that and really enjoyed it. Found it to be like surprisingly human and, and, um, and grounded and, and just much different than what I expected. Was it Uh, better than Clooney's disaster movie? I will get to that. Okay. (laughs) Um, let him go was a movie that I really liked. Um, very simple, but pretty movie. Uh, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane, very, just kind of Mm. like a, sort of violent crime movie not super violent but it had its moments um but they're both great they're so i mean i think kevin Costner is this strange actor where it's like we know he's you know traditionally not considered a good actor occasionally he's given us something good but it's like as he's gotten older it's like there's something about him that's compelling and he's you know he's choosing these like kind of quieter roles that are 
I don't know. It's like there's there's something that is really enjoyable about watching Kevin Costner in his 60s. Um, <laughs> Lo- Love and Monsters, I liked that. Um, Underwater is a movie that everybody hated at the beginning of the year, and I kind of talked about it, but I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a really fun creature feature. Um, Black Bear is a movie I watched today that like kind of blew my socks off. Um, uh, Aubrey Plaza and... Lee was watching that too, and I just I could hear it, and I thought he was watching like people fighting on youtube or something and i was like what the fuck are you watching just screaming it's insane there's a lot it's very it's it's one of the most um anxiety filled experiences i've had in (laughs) movies and it's like every choice is kind of meant to to drive you that way but it's all interesting and intentional and there's a there's this and there's a there's a moment the midpoint of the movie which i think is like one of the is a great reveal um which is a spoiler in and of itself but uh whatever um but uh i think you you you're just about to jump off not because it's bad because it's just like i can't take it anymore and then it like the movie switches gears and it's like and then it starts all over again and you're you know you're on for another ride but it's uh yeah it's very interesting and definitely worth watching very very good performances pretty original i think um the invisible man i thought was a great movie uh earlier this year kind of a very good example of like take of you know what the what the dark universe stuff should have been doing all along um instead of trying to make marvel movies emma was great bad boys for life best bad boys movie i know that's not (laughs) saying a lot but like that was a lot of fun to watch um sonic was great greyhound um a weird apple plus movie that i don't think a lot of people saw tom hanks wrote it it's just it's Hmm. just a very technical military movie it's all about like tom hanks is a captain of a a destroyer or a battleship and it's just like very very technical like it's like watching uh the wire or something on a boat um so it's it's just yeah it's very interesting i like it It's, it's like a it's i watched that and then i watched the movie battleship and it's like very funny in the ways those movies intersect <laughs> and then very funny in the way those movies don't. Um, Bill and Ted was a nice surprise. Not super funny, but cute and definitely a worthwhile sequel. Palm Springs. Palm Springs was like kind of a uh, oh, yeah. Groundhog Day sort of rom-com um, that I loved. I thought it was very cute, very funny. Um, On the Rocks might be my favorite movie of the year. That was um, Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. It's Sofia Coppola's most recent movie. <laughs> Um, I really liked that one a lot. Uh, the five bloods, uh, Spike Lee is a very like up and down filmmaker for me. Sometimes he makes things that are like nails on a chalkboard and sometimes he makes things that are do the right thing. And it's a masterpiece. The five bloods is neither, but it's definitely interesting. Um, the rental, uh, Dave Franco's directorial debut. It's a horror movie. It all takes place in one location. Um, good cast, uh, interesting kind of a strangers sort of vibe um very surprising from him um just a couple more the beach house um which was a kind of lovecraftian sort of movie that was very low budget but i enjoyed immensely uh tesla tesla was kind of like um i think maybe like shirley or ammonite um it's definitely a uh biopic that's taking a lot of liberties um it's sort of a documentary too, but like it'll there'll be moments where like a character, it'll cut to like one of the main characters in the movie and then pull out and that person is like at a laptop and it's still in their 
you know, their period garb and on set, and then they'll have like a screen behind them showing what they're looking at on their computer, and it's just like Google mm. searches. So it's really interesting because they're like they're they're stop the movie will stop and take time to like con- like talk to you about Tesla. Um, and then there's lots of like models and just like really strange kind of expressionistic imagery, and um, it's a lot of it feels like it's re- it's shot in front of like rear projection. Um, yeah, so that was a strange and very cool movie uh, that I would recommend. And my last movie uh, is a movie called uh, The Vast of Night. Um, again, very low budget Amazon movie that I don't think a lot of people saw. It's about a um, a telephone operator, like a switch switchboard operator, and a uh, radio host, like a late night radio host. Cool. As they pick up a UFO uh, signal, and it's basically all shot in real time. So it's just like following them as they're investigating this uh, signal. And there's like a school dance that's go or a school basketball game or something that's going on at the same time. And so the entire town's in one place and it kind of goes in and out of that uh in and out of the basketball game and then like across town and they go and they interview people um it's also a period movie but the vast of night i would highly recommend this movie it's not scary um but that it is cool. very it's very thrilling um okay and it's all lots of long dialogue scenes so if that's not your thing you won't enjoy it okay and then the movies that i did not like um i really did not like the king of staten island um just again, long, another long and boring Judd Apatow movie uh, with characters oh, yeah. who the movie works so hard to redeem and fails miserably. Uh, <laughs> the Witches is just so bad. It was pure trash, um, really upsetting. Uh, and like, I'm not one of those like witches stands, but it's like just comparing the image of Anne Hathaway in like full mm-hmm. CG and Angelica Houston in awesome nasty makeup it just does not even compare um the oh unhinged which was a weird russell crowe fat movie oh yeah yeah. um yeah it was terrible uh and then a movie that i didn't hate but i think it's bad uh is george clooney's midnight sky Mm. um it just felt like several disparate stories happening at once yeah it didn't amount it had kind of a good ending but also kind of like a miserably depressing movie and Mm -hmm. the rest of the movie didn't really justify it so it was just kind of like eh I'm okay Um, and then last but not certainly not least Wonder Woman 84 is a movie I really did not like okay well let me do my list really quick and then we can (laughs) dive right into Wonder Woman no no I just I want to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 but my list is very short so this will just take a minute okay got my paper here all right Uh, My best of 2020, I had Sonic the Hedgehog and then Tenet with a question mark because uh, (laughs) I don't I'm pretty sure Tenet didn't actually make sense, but it was very ambitious and it was quite a trip. Like it was we even like we saw in the theaters. It was actually so loud that it was unpleasant. Um, But as soon as it was over, I was like, I want to watch that again and see if I can figure it out. I I want to watch it with subtitles. Yes, that was another issue, like just trying to parse yeah. the dialogue between. And it was weird, too, because it wasn't even like there was like sometimes I couldn't tell what they were saying, but it wasn't like there was background sound. It was just like fuzzed out. <laughs> he knows dialogue. he's doing it on purpose. 
Yeah, yeah. And I don't understand. I don't either. Ammonite was like that. Ammonite, because it takes place really? by the ocean, I think they were deliberately... People would say things into like the beach wind, and I'm like, I got no fucking clue. But I do think it was like intentional for sure okay. in that case. So yeah, so that was my list. Sonic was the best, and then Tenet with a question mark. Maybe it might make it, but if I watch it again, it might it might not be so big. Um, then uh, oh, my worst of 2020, uh, which I was actually surprised neither of you mentioned this because I figured one of you at least would have watched it. But I'm thinking of ending things. The Charlie Kaufman. I didn't get film. to it. Lee it, loved that movie. Yes. I think Lee might have been the one that hepped me to it. Like, I think he was like, hey, Charlie Coffin's got a new movie. And I was like, I usually don't rush. And it's not like a principal thing. I just don't think to open Netflix. I usually have some discs laying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when there's a new Netflix thing everybody's talking about, I usually just for like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I would be interested to check it out. And I never get to it. Um, but that one, I was like, I really like Charlie Coffin. I didn't like Sinek- uh I thought Synecdoche was OK. I did not like Anomalisa. Mm-hmm. And then after I'm thinking of ending things, I'm like, I don't need to see Charlie Kaufman's movies anymore. Like, oh, wow. like I'll, I, it's I'll, over. I, well, I mean, I might see them, but it's like there. This was like a new Charlie Kaufman movie. Oh, absolutely. I'll go. I'll go home and watch that on Netflix tonight. Right. And it was so boring and pointless and like sort of mean spirited, but in like the most useless, like juvenile way. Mm-hmm. Um like in moments it, it was like the whole movie wasn't but just like there's moments where they're like i don't know and then it has like this vague like mysterious ending and i started to think like oh wait what's so what's going on here what does it mean and then i was like no i don't care like it was just lee, stupid lee told me like i feel like he talked to me about that movie for like an hour and a half and told me everything really? that happens in it yeah. and i think in the first few minutes of his him talking i was like does it end like this yeah <laughs> it's like yeah yeah <laughs> Well, and I guess he really liked the lady. He liked the the main gal in it. Yes, she was very good. She was she was very good. Um, But yeah, just the movie as a whole. And it actually the movie looked really good, like for a Netflix movie, especially. I think sometimes those don't have not even because of cheapness, but just something about like production must kind of give them this kind of feel. Um, So it actually looked pretty good. And I was really I was rooting for it. But then as it went on, I was like, oh, this is this is actually a bad movie. It's so miserable. So, or it sounded yeah. so miserable based on the yeah. detailed description I got. I think Charlie, Co- I think part of why I react the way I do to this and Anomalisa is I think Charlie Kaufman probably is depressed in ways similar to the ways that I'm depressed, but he mm-hmm. won't talk himself out of it. And so I become frustrated that it's like, it's like, why are you indulging this? Like, why don't you just like, like get over it, grow up like that kind of stuff. So I think that's the same reason Lee enjoys it. <laughs> it's because it really yeah. speaks, speaks well, to him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I did talk with Lee about it a little bit and I kind of got where he was coming from, but I still was just like, nah, like I'm not gonna like, yeah, I feel like the movie wasn't really, wasn't my bag. Um, but okay. So I've also got a list for best of 2019 and then best discoveries from this year that I watched that I didn't get to. I have that too. Okay. But first, should we talk, should we talk about Wonder Woman first while we're on the topic of Yeah, let's get it. Let's do this. I was like desperate to talk could, about it on boxing day tell. and it has <laughs> co- like completely waned which may itself be you know because oh, i still okay. think about man of steel on like a daily basis but um <laughs> i like you know that may itself so, be a, an indictment of i the film. could tell from your texts that you wanted to talk about wonder woman a lot and so i actually yes. i was like i'm going i wrote a review because i was like kit is just gonna go and i you know i won't <laughs> I won't even have a chance to, to, to get a thought in. 
So I wrote a review. And so if mm-hmm. you want to go still, if you want to just No, go. go. Read your review. Okay. It's fairly long. It's a page long. But we watched it last night. So, okay. And I'll try to do this in a, in a Hang on. Wait, wait one, one second. One second. One second. Okay. I'm going to buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> do this. Okay. When I first saw the poster for Woman, Wonder Woman 1984 with Gal Gadot <laughs> clad in sharp in a sharp, shining gold suit standing in front of a metallic rainbow-colored W, I thought to myself that it was unlikely the movie could ever be as good as that single image. I was right, but it was still a reasonably fun movie, albeit a messy one. True, I could bask in the warming glow of Gal Gadot's great beauty for any two and a half hours. Uh, Chris Pine certainly speaks for all of us when he takes a moment midway through the film to admire an airplane's gams. Uh, But I think there was plenty else to like here, especially from a design perspective, continuing DC's habit of being eccentric where Marvel is safe, Guardians excluded. Uh, The retro 80s, distinct from the actual 80s, are well-worn and and were completely unnecessary to the story as far as I could tell. But I would be lying if I said I didn't love the recreated Mega Mall featured in an action sequence, or that I hadn't caught glimpses of De Palma's Scarface and body double during the museum party scene while Frankie goes to Hollywood's relax bubbled underneath some kind of electronic remix. It wasn't relax. What's that? It wasn't relax. It was act, which made me like it. Go ahead. (laughs) So, 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 uh, uh, during the museum party scene, while Frankie goes to Hollywood's relax, bubbled underneath some kind of electronic remix or possibly licensed dodging remake. Mm -mm. So, okay. What was it? So that actually made me appreciate the film's take on the eighties because they didn't use relax. They used welcome to the pleasure dome from the same album, which, okay. So, which I mean, to be fair, that is one the big I, one of the hu- hugest, most anticipated albums of the '80s. It actually right. did come out in 1984, though in October, okay. not July, when the movie is set. Um, and that is like I heard it and I was like, I'm not sure. This is definitely this is either imitating Trevor Horn or it actually is, and it actually was. Okay. And that's what those rich dicks would be listening to. <laughs> so yeah, it works. See, for I me. thought it was because there's a scene. I know you haven't. We haven't watched it yet body double there's a scene i mean that's where like relax like there's like a whole music video right. to relax in body double yeah i think that's probably um, a reference and i mean yeah and like, i thought it was you did clock frankie goes to hollywood so good for you. yeah well and and like i i felt like there was some scarface 80s vibes in there mm-hmm. but anyhow okay so uh oh and speaking of the music this was in my re- written review again uh this this score pales in comparison to rupert gregson williams bombastic score for the first film uh, the costumes, hairstyles, and makeup were often bold, and I like that, but with the asterisk that uh, very little of this needed to be cloaked in some kind of 80s excuse. Mm-hmm. The story is messy and the themes are sloppier. The wish logic felt like poorly thought out magic, and the villain's need for people to make wishes before he could wreak havoc immediately reminded me of 1997's Wishmaster, where an evil genie <laughs> where an evil genie has to rely on people saying things like, boy, it's chilly in here. I wish I was warmer before he can subsume them in flames and cackle about it. Wonder Woman's 1984 or Wonder Woman 1984's uh, villain doesn't seem at all in control of his powers, and his aims were never particularly clear to me. Uh, he was set up as greedy, and when he could seemingly only generate chaos, I didn't understand why he kept going out with, without reflecting on what, what he was gaining from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, his lack of clear purpose seemed like an excuse to take the story wherever the writer wanted it to go, rather than somewhere more called for. The film's other villain, I'm just about done. The film's other villain, Kristen Wiig's Cheetah Girl, made more sense as far as the wish logic went, but um, didn't make sense on a character level. She went from kind and quirky nerd to malevolent Catwoman for reasons I didn't understand. Speaking of Cheetah Girl, 
Before she was bad, she became fast friends with Diana, and I honestly thought they were going to have a romance of some kind, and possibly even Les out, which would have been very cool, especially if instead of Kristen Wiig, they had cast Taylor Swift, who already has experience as a cat girl. It and pains me to know. What's that? And a lesbian. Yeah. Uh, it pains me to know that we'll probably never have a superhero movie where Gal Gadot and Taylor Swift kiss each other tenderly on with soft, wet lips, run their hands through each other's lustrous hair, gaze into each other's eyes, and spend 15 to 20 minutes of the film's length engaging in powerful, inspiring, perfectly lit, lit sensual, sweaty, mouth-watering, quivering, just absolutely Ugh. dripping wet, deep-licking, grinding, nipple-popping, <laughs> nipple body-quaking acts of pure feminine love. But I guess we're all just a little too cool for that these days. You need to watch Ammonite. (laughs) Anyhow, if you'd like to see a great film about wishes, see Tarkovsky's Stalker. If you'd like to see a fun, confusing, forgettable superhero movie, there are a number of films I could recommend, but the newest is Wonder Woman 1984. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. That was good. Oh, thank you. Um, (laughs) So we agree and we disagree. Okay. I found... I don't think you're wrong that the 80s setting turned out to be meaningless, namely because I think the uh, Mandalorian was not just like he wasn't Donald Trump, you know, like he wasn't a television, like he seemed like he he was a villain specifically made for the 80s. But then the uh... the more. Yeah. Go ahead. The the villain that plays the Mandalorian. He's also Pedro, a Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal. Pedro um, Pascal. Okay. He like they kind of set him up like he's gonna be that, but then his both his backstory and his motives and <laughs> everything he was doing became so confusing that it's like, okay, I can't really identify this with any guy from the eighties anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, the era of like the slick like TV pitchman or the like famous capitalist or you know what like televangelist type that he he became something that's definitely not that so i don't know where that went and at that point the 80s felt pretty uh inessential to the story however i thought the first like 30 minutes to 40 minutes of the movie was the most fun because, and I was very refreshed by the way that it portrayed the 80s, that it didn't do like a Stranger Things thing of sort of trying to shoot the story as though it was taking place in the 80s. Like the tech, like, like the filming techniques or the filters or that kind of thing weren't uh-huh. used to enhance the 80s-ness. It was purely just like if you were in a virtual reality where everything that took place in the eighties. Um, that's what it felt like to me. So it's like the costumes, the settings, all of that was eighties, but the way that the things were shot was not being used to like approximate how things actually looked in the eighties, which I liked and found really fun. I actually thought that the fashion was pretty (laughs) on point and, um, you know, Diana looks the most out of place because they won't let her look as bad as people looked in the eighties. But (laughs) Her hair, like her hairstyle was like, I, that was fucking fun. Like she, she wouldn't have that hair if the movie didn't take place in the 80s. And it looked amazing. It rem- she reminded me of like my Barbies and stuff. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, I also like thought the party was good. I th- so so that part I was like, this is fun. And then when when Steve comes back, I'm just like, they still have great chemistry. 
I still think the best scene in the movie is when she walks away from him. They, I, I thought they both were so good in that. And the super long take of her, like getting herself together was like really moving. I loved it. Um, I thought him trying on clothes was like, can this be the whole movie? Like that was (laughs) so cute. He's so great. He's so funny. Um, he really made me and Lee laugh. He's a true treasure. Um, I agree with you. I also thought that at least part of the cheetah plot was gonna be that she's kind of in love with Diana. Yeah. Because I mean, that's how I'm. That's how she's playing it. In my, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion, that would have been interesting. And there were parts I think where I really got off the movie's train was when. Steve says to her, there's plenty of other, and it's in the scene that's like my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> he says like, there's there's other great guys. There's other guys out there who are way better than me. And I just screamed, and girls! Like, <laughs> Diana is bisexual. Diana, it, for sh- there's no, f- I, I, I believe that her love with Steve was a special thing. And that, she, and that she would jump at the chance to have him back again. But I don't believe that she has spent the last 70 years never having sex with anyone, particularly that she has become this like sad celibate widow who has. She's not Captain America. That's the thing. That's what I think they fucked up on is like DC. Aquaman was successful in part because Aquaman is not a fucking sad sack guy who just like everything who's just tortured the whole movie he's not a christ figure he's like a fun dude he goes around doing fun shit he still (laughs) had like a satisfying character arc but it's not serious he gets to be a big dumb himbo like it and it was fun it was fun to see them be as stupid as possible with the character Mm -hmm. wonder woman i don't wonder woman's defining trait is not fucking sadness and sacrifice right like she's a fun lady She's a fucking god, but not in a Superman way. And she goes around helping people and being pretty and loving everyone and having sex with all different kinds of people. And like, why, why would you saddle her with just like, like, I'm supposed to believe that a woman who looks like this and is this full of life and sweet and fun. It just, she's just been sitting around for 70 years being sad about Steve. It f- yeah. that fucking bummed my ass out. That sucked. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have taken any way, anything away from their relationship. She still would have been like, Holy shit, he's back. This is amazing. It still would have been so hard for her to give him up. Yeah. Anyway, that really sucked. The movie was fucking incomprehensible. The wish logic was <laughs> truly insane. Truly yeah. the like, worst like MacGuffin plot device thing that I think I've seen in a super the most neat just make him a fucking genie like we all know how genies work like (laughs) it 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 was crazy how stupid that plot was but you know I liked I really liked the action scene of the kind of road jeep thing with her like oh yeah skating all over the place on that metal like that looked really cool um I I don't tend to like people losing their powers. It also the movie didn't even make it clear that she was losing her powers. The movie didn't make it clear that she was losing 
her that as soon as she gave up Steve, she would get her powers back. The explanation made it sound like everyone has to agree to do this in order for it to undo what's been done. Yeah, I thought then, that mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig's character would have had to give up her wish because I thought I thought that that was what was draining Wonder Woman's powers. Was it her wish about well, Chris Pine? Yes, that's, that's, that's the, the other confusing right thing. That's the problem. Right. Okay. You're both right, and you're both okay. wrong. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah I just it's, wasn't able to figure out the way they explain the wish power is like, oh, this happened to the Mayans, but nobody agreed to give up. No one would agree to give up their wish, which makes it sound like we all have to agree to do it. Right. (laughs) Not that the second Wonder Woman gave up Steve, she would get her powers back. So we only learn that after she's already done that, which gives it a little less uh, meaning, I think. Um, But yeah, everyone's sacrifices were unclear. It was really, really bad. The plotting really, really bad. But elements were really fun. I still like the character. I thought Kristen Wiig was totally like cool. Um, The setting was great. Chris Pine was wonderful as usual. Some good action. Incomprehensible story. Yeah. And misunderstanding of the character. All right, Andrew, go ahead. Okay. Um, I disagree. (laughs) I thought that the movie looked uh, like it was intent, like it was exploiting the 80s to an obnoxious degree for little to no uh, return. That opening scene in the mall was... I hated it so much. I thought the action looked like trash. thought most of it yes. was... There was so much of it that was shot in in, in inserts. And then the, the editing the way, was horrible. It's horrible. The way it's lit uh, is just very much like an 80s movie to me. It reminded me of like the mall scene in Commando or any mall scene <laughs> in any movie in the 80s. That's what it looked like to me. Just uh, um, for the listeners, Commando will come up on a later list. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> just saturation bumped up all the just too much. Um, and then, uh, you know, stuff like saving the little girl and then they like wink at each other. It's just very it's 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 literally winky uh, in a way that See, just really upsets me. Um, I kind of like that in too. a superhero movie, though. That feels like like have you ever watched the old 70s show? The yes. movie. Oh, yeah. The I Wonder know. Woman. I think that's what I feel like. Here's the thing. I feel like I feel like that is directly what they were referencing. Yes. I feel like they wanted to introduce her in a way that felt like an homage to the TV show. Yeah. But I don't feel like the rest of the movie reflects that. So it just feels like something that's misaligned from the rest of the movie to me. Yeah. I, I um, agree. Yes. Tone was very inconsistent. Like when they, yeah. in the whole the whole part of them through the streets looking at people rip each other apart just oh i have two more things sorry go ahead but like looked so like that doesn't fit with the beginning of this (laughs) of this movie no um i love chris pine i'm a chris pine stan and there are very few of us in the world uh (laughs) didn't think he needed to be in this movie uh i felt like he was of very little actual use um and the whole thing with him inhabiting somebody else's body and her uh, <laughs> raping that body and then us punishing Kristen Wiig later in the movie for attacking her own would-be rapist. Uh, it just, it was very strange logic that I could not follow. Um, that and- guy, that actor who played the real guy, 
is Hallmark a guy. Hallmark guy. Yeah. And I felt like my brother got to be in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Your sister called that out, actually. Your sister called that out. And I said, Kit just texted me that a little while ago. And she's like, oh, we're sisters. Um, so, yeah, I thought um, I thought that was so weird and so unnecessary. Why does that happen? Like, I mean, it's in a movie where wishes it, where wishes that come true is a thing that's happening. Just let the dude walk out out from the yeah. mist. Yeah, I thought so, he was going to. I thought that's where his like too. initial poster came from. Like there, I felt like there was a scene in the trailer of him emerging in his fanny pack from the mall. Well, but here's the thing: there's so little in the movie that um that like like the fact that they don't explore the fact that she's uh raping some dude's body. Well, what's or, happened to this guy? Yeah, or what? Yeah, that, that he's stealing his this dude's life in a source code way. Um, the fact that they're not exploring those things means that they didn't even have to have that happen. So I don't know if something got dropped on the cutting room floor or what, but it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth um, and just feels like something that's not thought out. And it's like, it's it's a line of dialogue is the fix. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I was somewhere else and now I'm here. And I don't, I the first thing I did was come find you. That's it. That's all you need. You don't need yeah. to sh- go to the dude's apartment and see the life he stole. Um, yeah. It was odd. <laughs> well, it's just bizarre. never show. Basically, you're saying never show that guy. Never show like, that guy. Yeah, never establish yeah. that he's living in someone else's skin. You don't have to. Well, and you're right. Like, not that I think it's right for Kristen Wiig to go like with superpowers and like nearly kill a guy um, who attacked her. Like, that's not heroic necessarily, but it is weird that it's. Like, <laughs> This is her, like, oh, she's really in the dark side. Right. Now. (laughs) I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, well, that guy was, I mean, at least twice ready to assault her. So. And the thing is, Uh, is like, in a a movie where you don't make a behavior adjacent to that demonstrably okay, Mm -hmm. we don't think twice about this moment. Yeah. And honestly, the thing with the body impersonating or kidnapping or whatever, inhabiting. I didn't even occur to me like that. That was I mean, it was it was weird, but I didn't even think like about the sexual. It was what made it weird. The sexual thing didn't make it weird to me. What made it weird was there was I they never give you a reason like you're saying that he couldn't just be there. Right. Like they don't. Well, I don't understand why. Yeah, because each wish had to take something from somewhere. So I think that's where that they're kind of trying to create that balance. Like. I think, but no, because know. the thing that, that that wish took from her was her powers. Right. That's the thing is if, you, if we you have a that. point, Mike, you they right. could have made it that right. the consequences was that that guy's base. They basically killed a guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that is what the movie wanted to do. But yeah. because everything else is so unclear, it doesn't work. So they just should have done it my way. Yeah, no, I, would, um, I think. Lots of room for improvement. They should have. This movie was clearly made by committee, so they should have added us to right. that committee. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. thought. Um, Can, mm-hmm. I thought the action of which this movie is barely an action movie. I should say, which is fine. I'm like, that's fine. That's not a big deal. Like, it's kind of cool that you made a big kind of swashbuckling sort of globe trotting uh, mm-hmm. superhero movie that has literally th- three significant action scenes in it. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. The problem is, is that it didn't amount to an interesting movie. Um, I didn't, I thought the, the desert chase scene was probably the best action scene, but I still didn't think it was that great. So much of it was like badly composited Gal Gadot. Um, and 
I did not. That's just so par for the course for the DC movies, though, that people just look like fucking ragdolls flopping around. I don't know. I was like, at least this had some kind of weight to it. Yeah, I guess. I just, I feel like. The way people jump in DC movies is unconscionable to me. (laughs) I think people leap and I hate it. Okay, that's that's fine. I just think that like, and I can't believe I'm making a case here, but at least <laughs> in a Zack Snyder movie, you can't see it well enough to know it looks shitty for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. Um, so yeah, I, 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 and then there was just choices like, you know, when she like the bullet flies out and she whips it, she like grabs yes. the bullet with her. Wi- it's just so. It's like I don't know what this movie is. I don't know if it, if if you're trying to make a. If you're trying to make a silly comic book movie and, you know, as if you've never seen a comic book, you know, like a la Ang Lee's Hulk, <coughs> go for it. Do it. I'm, I'm all for it. If you're trying to make uh, something I should be taking somewhat seriously, great. But, like, you got to choose. And I don't think they did. Yeah. Um, and then what was my last thing? Yeah, I don't know. Any? Uh, I guess they had the, the – where the, I guess there was four action scenes. I guess there was the White House fight, which was kind of mm-hmm. fun. Um, that was and fun. Then, and then the last thing with her and 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 uh, and Kristen Wiig, but yeah, I don't know. The logic of the movie is is not great. I mean, it's like, and then you, it's 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 one of those things where like we're you know we're watching this, and then we're sitting around and just like thinking about all of the all of the people that were hurt by this movie, like in in universe, just like you know all of the cancer patients who wish to not have cancer, and then were told by Wonder Woman to uh, <laughs> unwish that wish. You know, so it's just like, it's yeah, just, it's just it's, too huge. It's too. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it like <clears throat> it feels like it come like the idea for this movie comes from a place of pure privilege without any understanding of the world around that. Whoever wrote the movie. You know what it reminded me of? The, the thing I kept thinking of in that last scene where she's talking to the people mm-hmm. is the end of the Adam Sandler Mr. Deeds. Where sure. he's trying to like inspire a room full of millionaires to like remember when you thought that being a business leader was like gonna be fun or something. <laughs> it's just something about it. It's felt like mm, you don't understand that like someone's like yes, the world's in chaos, but also like someone's baby lived because of this or something. I know. Like I hate it. Like, it's just yeah. the assumption, I guess, that what everyone would wish for is for, like, a lot of money and for there to be no Irish people or, like, all this kind of stuff. No, <laughs> some people are wishing, like, to spend more time with their families and, right. like, for their children not to die. Yeah. And I thought, it was... and, and I thought, I thought, too, that, like, you know, going into it, you know, the movie, like, establishes a very clear theme at the beginning of the movie, and then just kind of fumbles it? it hot potato for the next two and a yeah. half hours. What do you think that that theme was? Because I think there were at least two themes established in that opening scene, and either one would have been okay for a movie, but not both. Uh, for I mean, me, for me, it was, you know, you, in order to succeed, you can't cut corners. I mean, that's literally what she does in the race, and is it uh, though? Because when the way that we, Lee and I both watched that scene, which yeah. that little girl was great, I really liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of things she was doing that I thought were going to, because Lee and I both thought, oh, cool, she's resourceful. That's why she's going to do it. We did not see what she did as cheating. We saw it as she got fucked. And the thing, and then we both thought the thing that fucked her was that she kept looking over her shoulder at what was going on behind her instead of right. being focused 
on what was in front of her, which that would align very well with her bringing Steve back from the dead and apparently just being a sad sack for the last seven decades. Um, the idea that she's always looking back instead of forward, but that definitely wasn't the point. And then the cutting corners thing also definitely wasn't the point of the movie. I mean, it, I think there was some element of that in the wishes thing that like, mm-hmm. um, hey, you have, it's not, it's cheating to wish that your baby won't die of cancer. <laughs> you have to <laughs> let your Make baby die of cancer because <laughs> that's the, you know, that's the hard, that's the, that's the true path. So none yeah. of, it was, that scene, that opening scene, like I thought it looked kind of shitty, but could have been a really nice sure. yeah. setup for the themes of the movie. And like, obviously they know they need to show Themyscira again because that's like a fan favorite piece of the lore from the last film. So I guess uh, the way I feel about like the DC movies as a whole is like, if you really look at like the, the tapestry of DC movies, it, it is interesting. There, there is a lot of like, they diverge from each other in some very fascinating ways. Um, but it, but w- as we see, they're still, I think they're just still making bad movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know, like Aquaman and Man of Steel could not be more different, you know, and the 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 Batman movie looks very I don't know. I mean, whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, Yeah, I I, guess I guess I wish that Wonder Woman was not was a little farther on the fringes like a Batman, like a the Batman is going to be so that it could truly be its own thing. I have one more thing about Wonder Woman. Okay, okay. If I was on this committee that Mike mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a part in the movie <laughs> which doesn't make sense but ignore that but Pedro Pascal says I need some way to touch a bunch of people at one time love it and I 100% was like oh my god hands across America that's yeah. why it's set in the 80s that's <laughs> oh, super that's funny, funny. like really funny really that like a funny. tonally humorous thing for an 80s villain to do now technically hands across America was 1986 but who gives a shit 1984 is a better title so I was like oh my god that's what he's gonna do color me surprised when what he's actually doing is using satellites because technically the particles from the satellite are touching everybody at once right. i mean he might as well Boy, have said well i can use the, the air that i breathe eventually reaches every like it's yeah that is that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard in a superhero <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point i hadn't thought about that you should have been on this committee well, i can't believe that's not <laughs> what they did yeah <laughs> i wonder if that was ever in a draft and it got cut or i wonder if that was just totally not because that is otherwise odd Maybe right they were down. writing it and then us came out and they were just like, oh, guess we oh, can't yeah. do Maybe. that. Okay, Maybe. yeah. I was going to say, wasn't their hands across America in something recently? Mm-hmm. I was thinking Stranger Things did it, but um, they will. It was us. Or maybe they were Wait, going to. <laughs> did us take place in the 80s? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Does everything have to take place in that's the 80s? What I'm s- I don't, I don't <laughs> yes. know, dude. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I, I, like I said, I thought that this felt more like a G.I. Joe cartoon come to life than like a Stranger Things or something, you know, or yeah, Spielberg I would have, film. Yeah. Listening to you and Andrew talk, my, had I been on the committee, I would have leaned very heavily into the cartoony or I guess seventies live action show direction. Like that's it would fine. be very that's cool. A, that's, that is a direction. Yeah. It, well, and it would be very cool to have a superhero franchise 
which I mean, people might be bothered by like, oh, it's like the main female franchise. Why does it have to be? But if it, if it was like the TV show where she's like going around helping people like in various whatever, various, you know, spots, like th- it doesn't have to have like this world threatening crisis at the end of every superhero movie. Like it could just would, be like something smaller. If Wonder Woman was a superhero who just went around helping people, I think that would make her literally the only DC hero who does that. Yeah. currently on the current <laughs> roster They're, the rest of them are just fighting each other and yeah. like people under the water and stuff so it might be kind of refreshing to see a fucking hero like be a hero yeah. for some people I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be cool anyhow that concludes our wonder woman 1984 review um oh actually you know what back to 2020 or i guess continuing 2020 i forgot to mention my documentaries can i run through those oh, yeah, yeah 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 dude might as well. We're just talking about whatever. Okay. So I saw a few documentaries from this year. Uh, one was called Jasper Mall. Uh, it was a documentary about a mall in Jasper, Wyoming, maybe, or somewhere, Ohio, somewhere. Um, but it was really good. It was just like a slice of life in a dying mall. And uh, mm-hmm. it was pretty, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, like, oh, how sad and tragic. It was kind of just like, here's how things are happening in a quiet little mall. I really liked it. I mean, that's that I, w- cool. I would I would live in a dying mall if I could. So that was um, you probably can. Probably. Sarah probably well, won't. there's there's no none. No uh, dying malls around here anymore. They've all been torn down. But <laughs> we do have one thriving mall. So that's good. Uh, Class Action Park, I think, was on HBO. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, it was that was, that was really good. It was about an old amusement park called Action Park, which I think was in New Jersey and uh, just tons of people injuring themselves and just it's really responsible. Joyzy. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that was a good one. Another one I liked was the orange years, uh, the Nickelodeon story. It was just a documentary. We watched that. Yeah. I really liked that one. Uh, just kind of going through like eighties and nineties, Nickelodeon. Uh, some, some of the star, some of like the cast from back in the day was in it and it was just pleasant. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, no real point. It's just a little document documentary. These are all about this, like nostalgia. Yes. Well, well, the, the the final one. This was not one that I particularly liked, but uh, Taylor Swift Miss Americana was one on <laughs> Netflix early this year. Right. And my experience with that, we all know I have a long storied history with Taylor Swift, but um, I watched like the first half of it and I was like, oh, my God, like this is so fun. You texted like, me. What's uh, t- OK? I yeah. Think and you I was texted like, me. Like, this is, is the back. best. Like, yeah, I think I think I care about Taylor Swift again. This is so cool. She does. She seems to drop like the pop like New York Taylor image. And she seems to be returning to like, like the grateful, you know, country Taylor image. And then I watched the next night, I watched the second half of the documentary and she's talking about why it was so important that she become like political in her music videos, and <laughs> just various other things. I was like, Oh, Taylor, why? But, um, she anyway, took so she's the still dead to very, me, very brave controversial stand of right. <laughs> being okay with gay people. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something we've all moved on when from, it's probably. like when that stand is at its most profitable. She was like, right. you know, I think I'm actually for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's so why that was... we can all just rally, rally behind Dolly Parton. Call it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dolly seems cool. There was a Dolly documentary this year, wasn't there? It was, oh, there was great. A podcast. Oh, podcast. No, there was okay. a documentary about her songs. I don't know if it maybe it technically Ooh. didn't come out okay. this year, but it was. Um, I thought there was something about her. I will watch cool. that. There's a really good podcast limited series called Dolly Parton's America that I watched or listened, ah, uh, listened to. That was really good. Cool. Okay. So that concludes my 2020. Um, Kit, 
did you did you both have uh, best mm-hmm. discoveries lists? Yeah. Did you hear Andrew? I've talked about this movie a couple times. Uh, I wa- I thought it came out in 2020, so I was I I originally had it on my 2020 list, uh, but it came out in late 2019. I talked about it probably three or four times already. Fanny Lie delivered. Great fucking movie. Oh yeah, okay. One of my favorite movies of recent years. What uh, is it called? Fanny Lie delivered. Apostrophe D. Uh, very very cool fucking movie. Um, mm. highly recommend. Okay, cool. Um, unlike you guys, like, I don't really keep track of what I watched, so I could only go off, like, what I remembered from this year, and I would say, um, Yentl is definitely on there. That was one, I don't know if I'm allowed to say we watched it for the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Yes, that'll be an upcoming episode. In, like, uh, a year from now. Um, Paddington 2, I very much enjoyed. Uh Um, I thought that was really, really, really cute and really pretty. Like I said, I think it's, like, Wes Anderson- for children they don't kill any dogs or anything um they do make a bear sad though i it was touch and go there for a moment um uh i I had to do some research to find out if i actually watched this for the first time this year or last year but talented mr ripley i watched this year and it's like i don't know i think a perfect film i didn't know we were just doing any movie that we i thought it was just 2019 (laughs) movies no no No. anything you've seen okay good all these movies that kids naming then i would i'm piggybacking off her and then Sing Street is yeah, great movie. Really, really, really good. Really good movie. You're welcome. Really sweet. The brother, the brother from that movie was in some other action Jack movie. Heard T- Transformers. Yeah, yeah he's he was in, in Transformers, like, which one of is the, like the fourth or fifth Transformers movie. Mind blowing because he he's really awesome. should be doing some other things. <laughs> he also just like doesn't. It's so weird because it's like I almost don't recognize him because he just like he doesn't because in Transformers like he got chiseled. He's yeah. like obviously supposed to be heartthrob. And in he is Sing he's Street, very he's, hot, but he's hotter in Sing Street than in Transformers. <laughs> was that Sing Street was the last one? You might, yeah, you might like Sing Street because um, this is probably it. I it reminded me in certain ways of. What is that Von Trier movie with the bells? Oh, oh, Breaking the Waves. Breaking the Waves. It reminded me a little of Breaking the Waves. Interesting. You know, I actually, I almost, the triple feature we're working on now almost included Sing Street. I almost did, I think it was Teen Romances or something like that. And I've been wanting to see Sing Street. One of my friends, you know, here in real, in the real world, uh, he's he was saying how much he loved that. And I was like, yeah, I'll check that out. But I didn't really want to like watch it by myself. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem like. Seemed like one to watch, like, and then discuss with friends. But, um, interesting. Well, I think so it I've is. Got... It is such an effortless movie to watch. It is so enjoyable. Yeah, I think yeah. you would enjoy just watching it. For it's really, the really of enjoyable. It, it could okay. go on way longer than it does, and mm-hmm. it still like surprised me with how moving it was. Okay, definitely. Yeah, it's, it definitely seemed like there was something to it. Like, I know it wasn't like a huge hit, but the people who saw it like told you to go see it. Like, really. You know, mm-hmm. I think some other it. musicals came out this year, that year, and kind of like drowned it out. Like people okay. just weren't paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should watch it. Okay. So my list here, I will just go through briefly. Um, so like I already mentioned for my 2019 best of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Under the Silver Lake, The Lighthouse, Little Women, 
dragged across concrete and uncut gems all were i would highly recommend all of those films they were very good you liked the new little women yeah i liked it quite a bit have you seen the 90s little women i have not yet i have not yet watched it man if you liked the 2019 little women just you fucking wait or 20 yeah i really do want to watch it i just have never gotten around to it but i mean you got kirsten dunst winona ryder's in it right yes she's the best she's it's such it's really good yeah, I'd it's like a good to see it. cozy I also Christmas book, movie. But... What's that? The book's great. Uh, the '90s but... one is a very good, like, cozy Christmas movie. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll throw that on this week. Um, okay, so that was 2019. Going much further back, I've got just my best discoveries from, uh, you know, decades past. So, top of the year for me was one that I watched like in January. Uh, it's a film called Kess. Uh, it's directed by mm. Ken Loach, and it is a uh, about a boy and his bird. Uh, that he's training and he's he's a poor boy he i don't know if he's in london or where somewhere in england did anybody and like him no he's just a poor boy and nobody likes him cool uh and anyhow yeah it i, I won't go on this long about it, each of the films on my list but i love movies about kids uh that feel kind of realistic and not like oh it takes me back to my childhood but just like oh that captures something about mm-hmm. how differently you view the world as a child and then it reminds me as an adult like yes that was once how i saw things and so it just it captures these little pieces of his life which super different from mine ever was but uh i was just like oh yeah like that is kind of how it felt which is i think is an achievement for a film especially i mean it looked really low budget uh but it's a great film i highly recommend it to all although kit would not want to see it because you know uh emotions (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Second best discovery of the year was Smile, Michael Ritchie's film from, I think, 74. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one that it's about a beauty pageant. Um, it's kind of a, a comedy, uh, maybe a, a dark comedy. It's uh, I had before this year, I had never seen any Michael Ritchie films. Um, now I've seen several. Uh, this was the first one I watched. And uh, it's, this is the best one I have found. I really I love Bruce Dern, and he's kind of one of the main characters in this. And I think the film kind of fucks around a little bit and is kind of aimless at points. But by the ending, um, something happens at the ending that just sort of like everything cohered for me. And I was just like, damn, this is a really good movie. Uh, So I recommend that one. And I'll go a little quicker now. Uh, William Friedkin's Sorcerer. The first time I saw that, I saw saw that for the first time this year. Excellent movie. movie. Yes. Um, I love a good rainy jungle in a film. And that is just all rainy jungle. Yeah. Michael Mann's Manhunter, I watched for the first time. Oh, cool. Uh, I wanted to excellent. watch that this year, actually. Have you seen it? Uh, I, I've i seen, I think, parts of it. I just watched okay. most of the Hannibal TV show, and I rewatched the um, the the main trilogy of movies. Okay. I, I think you will like Manhunter. It's, it's yeah. definitely got some, like... I mean, it's Michael Mann, so it's definitely got some, like... I've style. never wanted to watch anybody else be Hannibal Lecter. But then I watched Matt Mickelson be Hannibal Lecter and I was like, oh, that was cool. I guess I can yeah. watch anybody be Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, no, it's uh, Brian Cox, I think, is the one who does it. It is, yeah. And yeah, he is. He's really good. And it's very different, too, than uh, I'm blanking on. Red Dragon. Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Uh, well, Anthony oh, Hopkins. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, so Manhunter was great. Uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, which is, I think, Carl Franklin is who directed that. Uh, Denzel Washington's in it. It's That's like a great a, movie. Yeah, it's a, a, a it's a neo noir because it was I guess it was a ne- no, film noir made in the 90s, but it's like very 
true to the kind of, it feels like it could have come out of the forties or early fifties, just in terms of the story mm -hmm. and things. Definitely. Um, but then also the way that it recreated Los Angeles of, uh, I guess it, I think it takes place right after world war two. So like Los yeah. Angeles of the forties was really cool. Like it, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. just a really solid movie. It's kind of funny, but it's, it's, it's not like, it's definitely not a comedy, but it just has these moments of humor that I, I liked. Uh, and Denzel is excellent in it. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I watched, this is a, a horror film called pin, which Andrew, I want you to see. Okay. Um, it is about a boy who grows up, um, thinking that he can talk to the life-size, like, uh, anatomical mannequin in his father's, uh, office. <laughs> his father's a doctor. And, um, it's got, uh, who's the fellow that played Locke in lost Terry O'Quinn, Terry O'Quinn. He's the, he's the dad. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's a horror film and I, I just, it's like a Canadian, you know how like Canada had a bunch of like tax shelter horror films in the eighties and the seventies. Um, so it's, it's, I was thinking it was going to be just like something kind of schlocky and it is like a psychological horror film that I think is like up there. Like, and I mean, I'm building it up. It is a low budget Canadian B movie type of thing, but like I, as invested as I got in it, I was like, holy shit, this movie is really good, really underrated. Cool. Um, another one trick or treat. Uh, from 1986, it was, I'd barely even heard of this one, but there's a lot of movies called like trick or mm -hmm. treat or trick, trick or, or treat. Yeah. Is, yeah. It, one of, is so, it the trick or treat? What's that? Is it one of the trick or treats? Trick or treat. Well, so there's this, there's a new franchise from like a decade ago called trick or treat. This is, this is from 86. It's called trick or treat. And is there a pumpkin guy in it? No, no, no. That's a different okay. one. Okay. Yeah. This one is about like a kind of like a metalhead from the I mean, it takes place in 86. So an mm. 80s metalhead who uh, gets bullied and then basically he he summons or kind of accidentally summons a uh, rocks, a deceased rock star, like a like a demon rock star. Mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of I don't know. It was really good. Um but uh, yeah, kind of a rare discovery. Another one I just watched like a week ago called The Silent Partner with Elliot Gould. I highly recommend that to Andrew. Love um, Elliot Gould. Have you seen Silent Partner? No. Okay. Yeah. You, I think you would like Wait, it. Wait, what's uh, it about? So it's about a guy that works at a bank. Yes, who, I have seen it. Okay. That movie's great. Very good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Like, I, I watched it because like one of the podcasts I listen to, they're always bringing up Silent Partner and they're both like, oh yeah, I love that movie. And so I was like, well, OK, I'll check it out. And so I didn't know a ton about it. And then, um, yeah, as I was watching, it, I was like, this is it's fucking this awesome. Is a classic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so good. Um, and then, OK, so now I will go quick. Speed Racer. Watch that for the first time. Uh, the Leopard with Burt Lancaster was excellent. Andrew recommended No Escape, uh, a.k.a. Escape from Absalom. Um, the uh, one where they're all trapped on an island. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Martin island. Campbell. Ray Liotta. Yeah. Yes, Ray Liotta is in that one. Uh, that was really good. I watched yeah. Dirty Harry for the first time again just the other day, and that was awesome. I loved it. Cool. Um, Shag was one. It's got like Phoebe Cates and uh, uh, not Mira Sorvino, Bridget Fonda. Um, but it was a really good one. It's like a teen comedy. I think it's from like 1989 or 90. Mm -hmm. uh, just like a girls getting together before. It's kind of like a bachelorette party. Um, but it, so it's made in the late eighties, but it takes place in the sixties or possibly fifties. And, uh, it was just really good. I like those, uh, coming of age kind of things. Uh, another coming of age teen movie called little darlings, which had Tatum O'Neill. Uh, it's surprisingly a filthy movie, uh, mm, but it's, it's nice. pretty good too. It's like filthy and heartfelt. 
And it's about some girls at summer camp who are kind of racing to lose their virginity, um, whether they're perfectly comfortable with it or not. It was I think it was a 1980 film. And so it really is like you couldn't make this today, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it was good. I really liked it. I think it's worth worth looking for. Uh, I also watched The Killing Kubrick's The Killing with Sterling Hayden uh, for the first time, making it the last Stanley Kubrick film that I had not seen. Uh, So I have now completed that but it was great I, it was actually better than i thought it was going to be i'd kind of put it off for a long time because i was like eh, how you know kind of like killer's kiss i wasn't nuts about yeah um, but the killing was was really good okay uh, and then what's up doc which i think kit originally recommended i check out what's up doc mm-hmm. it was a great one and finally last but not least uh commando i saw for the first time and hell yes it was it was great it made me want to watch all of schwarzenegger's movies so hell yeah there's like a very good there's like there's like the Terminator 2 level, James Cameron, like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. movies. Then there's like the Total Recall is probably just like a right below that. And then you've got this real sweet spot of <laughs> right before they're terrible yeah. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that are so fun <laughs> that people don't really talk about as much. And Commando is at the very top of that pile. Yes. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> Definitely one of the best uh, Schwarzenegger films I've seen. Mm-hmm. But uh, But yeah, so that was a good one. Um, I've also got like, I don't know, second best discoveries, rewatch highlights, but I feel like we've, we've, oh, actually, no, no. One other thing. Uh, this year I finally watched the matrix revolutions, which is the third matrix film. Uh, I, in 2003, I was, I could not have been more excited for uh, two more matrix movies. And I went and saw matrix reloaded and it was so bad that I never bothered to see (laughs) matrix revolutions for 17 years. Yeah. And then I finally, this year, like I, I, like I said, I watched 400 movies this year. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the matrix trilogy. So I watched the first one. I watched the second one and it was bad. It was like bad. Then I watched the third one. And I could not believe how bad it was. It was <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And I was totally justified in not watching it for 17 years. Was it I even worse than it. the second one? I think it was worse than the second one. Yeah, because the second one at least has a massive freeway action set piece that is really right. pretty cool. The third one, like, I don't even know. I don't know what they were thinking. It was terrible. Um, you finally but, got closure. But yeah, I feel like I, I can check it off the list. Um, and and at the same time, Speed Racer was excellent. So it wasn't like they were just done after Matrix 3. Sure. Um, but yeah, so Speed Racer was a nice, pleasant surprise this year. I've so anyways, got, I've got that's my, one uh, more thing that I want to add. Um, absolutely. Since uh, we're just coming out of the Christmas season, and uh, I don't want to end on a sad note. Okay. Um, I watched... So I saw It's a Wonderful Life in high school in a film studies class kit and i took i saw it and then i and i did not like it i thought it was boring and schmaltzy and stupid um and i was a child so you know you can't hold it against me and then we went and saw it at one of those like live symphony sort of things last year and i totally Mm -hmm. didn't want to go but then we went and i really enjoyed it um and then we watched it again like a week and a half ago and i was just like all right i acknowledge you now as a classic i love you you're a wonderful movie so pretty it's so it's really great i'm yeah like i'm getting i'm like teary eyed kind of thinking about it right (laughs) it's really very very good um and then uh just a few days ago i finally got around to seeing the 1974 black christmas and holy shit that movie knocked my socks off it was so goddamn good it was (laughs) so scary like really really truly scary by any 
by any stretch of the imagination, I think, personally, for me. Um, and that was so shocking because it is a movie from 1974. And I just, you just kind of, I feel like horror movies just kind of age out of being scary at some point um, to a certain degree. Like, you you know, I mean, even Psycho can kind of get one or two off on you. But for the most part, it's just like, you know, think, because things can, you know, because film, film is always raising the stakes in terms of horror and and things are are they're we're constantly finding new ways to scare audiences so it just feels yeah. like stuff is weak but it's not like super bloody um but the violence like it's amazing to me because i'm like reflecting on it right now and thinking about like oh man the, the the images are so shocking and so intense and it's like i don't really show like if they were to make this movie today, well, they did. They've remade the movie twice. Uh, yeah. I all, which I also watched and the the most recent remake, and it was one of the worst goddamn movies I've ever seen. It's so fucking terrible. <laughs> it yeah. has no connection to this the 1974 version. I don't know why they call it Black Christmas. Yeah. Actually, I do, but it's stupid. Um. The uh, yeah. I'll just I'll throw in real quick. The 2006 remake also sucks ass. So. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even yeah, bother. I didn't. No even need bother. to. But um. It was beautiful. It was so it well looks shot. It really pretty. It, what's that? It, what? it looks really pretty. I'm looking at pictures. I wish I could watch it. It looks really yeah. pretty. You it's probably could. I mean, it would be scary, but it's not like, well, I don't know. Andrew no, you, know you can't watch it. You can't watch no, it. No, don't it's watch too it. too scary. Okay. <laughs> but it is, it, I mean, I'm scared just thinking about it. Like there's. It's there, great. I love that sorority house. I love like, it's beautiful. that atmosphere it's, it's a great. It's a great set. Yeah. Uh, the whole movie is so well lit and just like the saturation of the Christmas. I mean, it feels like a Christmas movie mm-hmm. in the way it's designed in ways that I think most Christmas movies don't. Yeah. Um, just the the way all of the decorations are shot is so freaking pretty. Um, but how were you able to stand Margot Kidder for the length of another film? She's great in this. Whatever. Also, her character is her character is irritating, and the movie knows she's irritating. She's not irritating, and the movie thinks she's awesome. Uh, so that it helps. is awesome. <laughs> um, and then, oh, the sound was great. I mean, I watched the remaster, the Shout Factory remastered yeah. Blu-ray. So, I mean, I'm sure that helps. But just there was some edits in the movie, like some transition shots that of just like cutting from one thing to the next using like audio and like and um, and and. Uh, like kind of weird abstract imagery that I thought was so goddamn cool. Um, so it's just weird to me that this movie is like a cult classic and not just like a bona fide classic. And yeah. I don't know why that is. I wonder if it's like a, a, a Texas chainsaw massacre kind of thing where like the movie's just like too brutal for more, for most people. But I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's brutal in a way that you don't, you don't see anything. Yeah. So it's like it can't really be that. Whereas like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like straight up hardcore violence. Um, But I think the reason that it's not regularly listed as up there with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Halloween, mm -hmm. you know, is all time classic. I think it just was not the box office, you know, success that those original ones was. So it wasn't like cemented as like, but you got to see it. So I think it was just. I don't know. I but I think that yeah, you you might be you're probably right. I just think that like it's like a it 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 seems like it should have been like a Blade Runner situation. Yeah. Or a yeah. or or any number of other movies that yeah. have clawed their way to the top of the charts, you know, over the 
their decades long existence. I mean, it's just, it's criminal to me. Um, I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite movies. It's, it's a real, it's a real toss up here. I'm going to have to watch black Christmas several more times, but just like if, if there's a, not that we need to necessarily say one is better than the other or, or whatever, (laughs) uh, it doesn't matter, but they're both, they can both be great. But, um, it is very interesting because I think horror fans kind of have pitted them against each other a little bit. And it's like black Christmas feels like a genius filmmaker is making a movie with very little money, but is pulling off leaps and bounds more than that money would have bought somebody else. Yeah. It's Bob Clark, baby porkies. Yeah. And karate dog. So that was the other karate dog. I think Andrew's going to have to watch porkies now for sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, guess what I got for Christmas? Hmm. Porkies. I got Porkies for Christmas. Uh, great, dude. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it's, Christmas. I mean, a Christmas story. A Christmas story is great. I mean, it's a classic. Everyone. I mean, it's yeah. one of the quintessential Christmas well, and, movies, whatever. Um, but like you watched Death Dream. That was Bob Clark. Is it? Yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah. The dude was he was a great. He was is one Bob of the Clark. My Anthony Minghella is And Here's my my second question. If Anthony Manghella had not died, would he have directed Karate Dog? <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe he would have made like an amazing horror movie. I mean, so in a Tell sen- Mr. Ripley has a pretty fucking brutal bit, bit bit in it. Yeah. I guess you could say you either you either die the hero or you live long <laughs> enough to see yourself direct Karate Dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, and Baby Geniuses. I don't know if we mentioned Baby Geniuses. Oh, that was Bob that's Clark the, as well. Cool, I dude. saw Baby Geniuses in theaters as a child against my wishes. And I, at the time, I was like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and how old could I have been? Ten? Nine? Baby Geniuses. No, Baby Geniuses <laughs> came out in 2000. So I was 12. I think. But we hadn't moved to, we, we hadn't moved to, to Oregon yet. So I couldn't have been older than 11. Maybe it was 99. I don't know. 99. Anyhow. 99 okay let's let's move on to the last yes. segment i actually i gotta get out of here and this is a two-hour okay. episode now our so. <laughs> last segment is uh the uh we're gonna each nominate our annual first annual tom cruise of the year okay um all right andrew go ahead and who would you like to nominate um okay i have one i, ha- I only have one nomination um okay. it was a very very difficult choice um yeah. but i decided to go with tom cruise now here's why now the reason i'm going with tom cruise is um because he is hard at work right now saving Hollywood uh, and all of us. So in a way, he's this year tr- turned his Ethan Hunt character into a real character, but for the benefit of cinema. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, I really, like, oh, yeah. I really like that somebody leaked uh, his like rant video or his audio of him chewing people out about, you know, not following covid protocols uh in an effort to make him look bad but and the rest of the most of the world most sane people rally behind him yeah. uh, and think he's actually pretty cool for doing that despite yeah. all the scientology bullshit yeah all right well we have one nominee kit who did you nominate for our tom cruise of the year um i mean this might be a hot take i don't know um i'm gonna nominate tom cruise for Tom, Tom Cruise? Cruise of the year. Yeah. Really? Okay. You heard me right. Why? Um I mean not to be rude, but that seems odd. I mean, he's not 
to everyone's taste, I guess. He's not okay. when you think of Tom Cruise, I guess you don't your mind doesn't automatically go to Tom Cruise. Right. Um, but for me, I'm kind of I'm you know, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Um and he really represents Tom Cruise to me. Mm, yeah. Tom Cruise okay. does. I could see it. Um it's a stretch, but I could see it. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with. I mean, I don't expect to, you know, I don't expect him to win, but Right. No, I mean, I can't all be winners. That's my pick. Okay, well, interesting. So I, uh, I nominated. I, I did actually. I thought about this for quite a while. Um, I took the day off work this morning or today, and just kind of was thinking, like, okay, we got to do the episode today. Who's it going to be? And like, I went through pretty much everybody on IMDb, every single actor on IMDb. Damn, dude. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I just read their biographies and just did pretty much as much research. That's due diligence, though, you know. Yeah. No, and I. So what I ended up, I found a fellow named Tom Cruise. Uh, Thomas Mapother Cruz to the third, I believe. Uh, and I Never think heard of he him. is going to be my pick. No, he's he kind of a, you know, a, a dark horse. Uh, not a, kind of exactly what you'd expect for a Tom Cruise. But I really think I can't think of anybody. Once once I read about him and everything, I was like, there is mm. no other person who was more Tom Cruise for me this year than Tom Cruise. And that's um, just from reading about him. You haven't seen any of his movies. You just read the titles of them and were like, just this his, is the best Tom yeah, Cruise. Just his IMDb biography is all I read. Um, were there like a lot of Tom Cruise movies on there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Quite a few. Wow. Yeah. Like how yeah. many, like I would say every film he's been in was a Tom Cruise film. <laughs> Holy so, shit. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, wow. That's what I'm saying. I feel like this guy was like, sure thing. Like I was like this, if this guy, if this guy is in the Tom Cruise of the year, I don't know who is. And like I get kids saying Tom Cruise. Andrew's saying he thinks Tom Cruise would be the Tom Cruise of the year. But for me, it was like it is absolutely Tom Cruise. So anyways, I uh, tabulated our results here. Let me just open this envelope. And the winner is guys. I'm sweating. I'm Holy sweating shit. right now. It's Tom Cruise. Come on down. Tom. <laughs> OK, so yeah, that he is... does actually have to come on the show to <laughs> yes, collect his to award. Accept his award. award. You okay. will just have to email us at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Uh, we can have a ceremony for you. We could just we could just talk. We could have drinks or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us, uh, Tom. And then I guess anybody else who might be listening. Uh, I guess if you thanks for joining us, whatever. I don't care. Uh, Slow motion triple feature. <laughs> and was whoever, recorded. Wait, wait, real quick, just like uh-huh. a, a message to whoever, whoever in the organization of Scientology who scrubs the internet daily for anything that mentions Tom Cruise, please pass this episode on to Tom Cruise. Yeah, this is a good thing. Yeah, yeah Dude, we're do saying, pass these, it on. These, are, these also, are nice things. Listen to all the episodes we've put out and notice I've been a lot nicer about Scientology stuff than Kit and Andrew. I've been very careful about what I've said, and that's well. I also said on. I would I would join if Tom Cruise asked me. So oh, yeah, there's that. So yeah. Anyways, we look forward to hearing from you, Tom. And uh, all right, are, that, are we are we ready to rock? Do it. Slow motion triple feature was recorded in a ball, slowly moving toward the ground in Times Square. Special thanks to our producer Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Happy New Year. <laughs>